scripture today is found in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1 through 7, and then 11 through 16. It's on page 828 in your Red Pew Bible. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I'm going to skip down to verse 11. It was he who gave some to the apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. <laughs> uh, introduce Paul to you in a, a couple of ways. Uh, Paul Kind has come to us to be uh, part of his internship. He is a seminary student at Princeton, way over on the East Coast. He's an ordained Wesleyan pastor, and I have known his father for many years, but not him. Uh, I got this, uh, this request about six months ago, eight months ago maybe, and uh, about the opportunity for this Princeton student to come out and spend the summer with us. And uh, frankly, uh, a Princeton student at NCF in a Wesleyan church with me from the Haggard Graduate School of Theology, I mean, we're, we, we try to forget that there is a Princeton. <laughs> So uh, through the process, we started to, uh, to probe a little bit, and then Paul and I started to have some conversation, and it appeared that it was uh, an incredibly good thing for us and for him that we find each other for the summer uh, for a variety of reasons. Well, all of that started to develop, and then when we had our staff retreat earlier this summer, uh, I gave him an assignment. And the assignment was, uh, Paul, I'd like you to bring a presentation to the staff um, on our, we were away for four days on this retreat up, up in the mountains. And during this time, I'd like you to help us to develop the concept of a small group uh, ministry within, within our church. We've done this before, and we have uh, done it very effectively from time to time, and we have some small groups now. 
So he had done this before at a church where he was the interim and regular pastor at a church in, in South Dakota for a few years before the seminary um, took his time and required him to move. So I knew he would be well-equipped to do this. So he, he put this together. He had a great plan that had worked before, but there were some problems with it, as we have found problems with small groups. There's, uh, more, most of it's all good, but there's some downsides to it that we don't know exactly what to do about. On the way up to the retreat, he reads a book. That became a pivotal point in the whole retreat. When Pastor Earl presented this to the leadership yesterday, it was as if Pastor Earl was there with us, which he wasn't. They were on the East Coast, uh, he and Bev during that period, period of time, but just absolutely uh, chimed right in with where we are. And so in anticipation of knowing our leadership, that they would embrace this idea of putting a new uh, vitality to small groups within our church, I asked uh, Paul to speak today in anticipation of your approval, leadership, on small groups. So thus, uh, he's going to help us develop some of the thinking behind that and some of the biblical understanding of why we need to be in this kind of community. So would you welcome, please, our so-called intern, <laughs> Pastor Paul. Thanks for the introduction, Pastor Gordon. And um, believe it or not, it has already been over two months since Pastor Gordon first introduced me to this congregation. I can't believe how these weeks have been flying by, and it's been a joy to get to, to connect with many of you, get to spend time with many of you, and, and, and just kind of hear your heart and what's going on in your life this summer. Um, as Pastor Gordon and I were kind of mapping out these few months that we'd have together, um, we built in a couple weeks um, where Brooke, my wife, and I would have the opportunity to experience some of what you have going on here in California. I mean, uh, I grew up in a place that's about as flat as a table in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, people say things like, whoa, man, the, the sunrises and sunsets in Indiana are so beautiful. And that's so true. There's no question about that. But, but when that's what you're clinging on to, I mean, in California, you have oceans and mountains and, 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 and just vineyards and just everything is going on out here. So um, we had an opportunity this past week to, um, to go up to Yosemite National Park. And I'd never been to Yosemite Valley before. Let me, let me just see a show of hands. How many of you have been to Yosemite Valley? Just to get a sense. Okay, I'd say over half of us in here. And um, I've uh, spent a lot of time over the last few years in the outdoors, backpacking, climbing mountains, um, that kind of thing. It's one of the things I love to do. And, um, and I'd heard so many people talk about Yosemite Valley and just the millions of people that go through there. And I thought it was going to be one, another place that's just kind of overrated and, you know, there's just too much traffic and, and I want to be out in the wilderness and there's all these people. And, and I was floored. The, the Yosemite Valley was just gorgeous and beautiful and, and we got to play around in waterfalls and climb mountains. And, and one, one night we went to bed and, uh, and in the morning we went out to our car um, as we were camping in the valley, we saw that there was some, a new interesting arrangement with our vehicle that, that we hadn't expected. The, the, the car doors were, instead of actually, you know, kind of securing the, the area there, they were kind of curved sideways, out, out sideways on the vehicle. And, and, and at first it was just kind of the sense of what in the world, but then realized that, oh yeah, yep. Yosemite Valley, a bear had uh, thought it was a good idea to, to get into our vehicle and, and, and pulled back these doors. And, um, 
And as we actually got to talk with the ranger later on that evening, he was describing this scenario. He came out and looked at the car, and um, he saw, you know, as like a detective, he took in all these little pieces of the puzzle and saw footprints, and, and uh, there was like the mama footprints, and then there was actually a little bear cub footprints like climbing up the windshield. And the ranger said that this is what had happened from the best that he could tell, that, that the, the, the style of approach and to get into a vehicle, in case you need to know, um, you don't have the key. The, the mama bear would walk up on the top of the car, and then the little cub, you know, up as well. And, and she would dig her claws into the top of the, like, the passenger door, the driver door, and jump off the side of the vehicle, bringing her whole weight to bear on that car door and just peeling it back. <laughs> and, uh, and as Pastor Gordon said this morning, the, the fire department's looking into hiring some of these bears as, like, first responders, getting into vehicles. Um, but it's a baby bear, you know, had the opportunity to learn. And so I'm sure the baby bear's like swinging off the side of the vehicle and, and trying to do some damage there. But um, I mean, other than, than that and having to pay a $500 deductible on, on my aunt's vehicle, um, we had, we had a, a fantastic time in, in Yosemite National Park. And, and I'll tell you what, you guys have welcomed us here uh, so much better than the bears have. So there's, there's no doubt about that. But um, as, as Kim read for us this morning, we're going to be spending a significant amount of time in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you have a Bible, if there's one under your seat, go ahead and pull that out. Because again and again, I'm going to be referring back to these um, passages in Ephesians 4. And at different points, I'll, I'll um, maybe bring our attention to some other passages. But if you just kind of keep your nose in Ephesians 4, you won't go wrong. Because that's where we're going to be um, looking through some different themes that run through this passage. And as Pastor Gordon has already shared with you, um, we're, we're heading in a direction towards the end of these next uh, 20, 25 minutes together and looking at, at small groups, looking at um, a, a word I'll describe as formation, a spiritual formation, that um, no question, as believers, as followers of Christ, God wants to be forming us into his image, wants to be developing us as people, that we might be disciples of him, not left to our own resources, not left to our own ideas of how to live our life, but to actually walk step by step in faithfulness to Christ and a life that's pleasing to him. So in Ephesians chapter 4, as, as Kim read, um, the first thread that I want to follow through this passage is a sense that we are on a journey. We're on a journey. I have a, a, a professor uh, who's become a friend, a mentor, and he told me a story that um, when his son accepted Christ as his Savior, he, he obviously he, he wanted to make a big deal out of that. And so um, at the time, they kind of lived in um, the country, and he, they went out in the woods, and they got like this, this hunk of wood. And, and with a knife, they whittled into the wood, carved into the wood, the date that his son had accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. He kind of started this, this journey of, of, of wanting to surrender his life in obedience to God. And still has this, this hunk of wood, right? As this incredible milestone in the journey. But that's the thing. It's, it's a milestone, for many of us, maybe we've been believers many, many years, or maybe some of us are here in this room, and, and, and as um, Lindy was talking about, you're kind of asking questions of what is this all about, what's going on in this place, and, and I'll tell you that, that life is a journey. It's moving in a direction. It's not a stagnant thing, and sometimes we tend to think of, of, uh, of salvation as something that maybe has been accomplished. Maybe we think of, of, of our commitment to Jesus Christ as something that, that happened that one day in the past. What would happen if, 
if this son who accepted Jesus Christ as Savior on that date that's carved into the wood, if, if it had just stopped there. If, okay, I've got the date on the wood. That's great. No, that's not the whole story because life is a journey. It's a progression. It's a dynamic process. And here in this passage, you'll see in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Not, not a moment, not a memory, but to live a life through all the seasons and phases that life have to offer. Another translation of this passage says, um, uses the imagery of walking and says, walk toward the calling. Life is a journey. We're on this path. We're, we're walking in a direction, hopefully, of faithfulness to God. There's another word picture in this passage, and it's in uh, verse 15 of chapter 4. Paul writes, and he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. He uses this, this phrasing of growing up. As I mentioned, I was in Yosemite National Park this past week, and there's some big trees there. <laughs> and, and I hear, you know, some of the, the big sequoias, they start just as these, these tiny little deals that are the size of about a couple oats. Picture like oatmeal, you know, the little oat flakes. The, those seeds are the size of a couple oat flakes. And they grow to just be monsters that, that, that live there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And this, this imagery of, of growth, of starting small and heading in a direction. And it's this picture that life is a journey. We're walking on this path. We're, we're being grown up in relationship with Christ. My first time ever to step foot in California was um, summer of 2002. And an opportunity to, to backpack through the Sierra Nevadas for six weeks. We walked from Mojave north to Lake Tahoe. So we got to go over the whole Sierra Crest and see just some of the most beautiful country in, in this whole nation. And um, as a part of that hike, I learned that a journey, yeah, it definitely has those moments where maybe there's, there's a waterfall right here and you're taking water right out of a gushing waterfall because of the, the snow melt. And, and you're right, this, this is where spring water comes from. I mean, like forget Dasani and Aquafina. Like this is the real deal. Like you just have those moments where you're like, this is, this is incredible. And then I realized that on this journey of, of hiking and backpacking uh, dozens and dozens of miles that you know, there's times that are tough, right? Like, there's times where the sun's a little too hot or there's just you know, a few too many bugs or, or that day where you're not feeling too well and, and walking another 20 miles that day just sounds like the last thing that you wanted to do. And, and it's this great analogy, this great metaphor for life. Many of you have, have journeyed through a number of, of kind of seasons and phases beyond where I've, where I've gone. I've... Um, Rick and I, you know, looking ahead to years coming ahead of having kids and then seeing kids grow up. I mean, you've seen, many of you, these different kind of aspects and phases of life, that it is a journey, that we're not stagnant, that this is, this is a dynamic thing, that we're moving in a direction. So, okay, maybe you're with me. Maybe you're on board that life is a journey, that we're on this journey. But what, what if you're thinking to yourself, man, what, what's the goal? Where are we heading? What's What's the direction? Well, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says, Let love be your highest goal. 
Let love be your highest goal. So as we're on this journey, we know that, that loving God and loving others has something to do with this. And maybe you're thinking, okay, I realize I'm on a journey, but what if my journey is headed in the wrong direction? Well, here's the thing. You, you haven't missed the boat. Jesus is, is, is one who, again and again through the Gospels, was inviting people into a relationship with him. And no matter what people's backgrounds or histories or what their story was, there was always an invitation to embrace the journey of following Jesus. So embrace this journey. There's another theme I want to track through this passage is, okay, so we're on a journey, but here's the thing. We're also, as this passage shows us, we're on a communal journey. We're on a communal journey. That means we're not in this alone. If you're picturing this journey as, as you kind of doing your thing and, and whether it's rain or shine, you're kind of like pushing through on the journey by yourself, that's not the picture here at all. In fact, I'd like to turn you to um, Ephesians 4, verse 4, where Paul is writing just all these kind of sweeping things about the faith, and he says, there is one body and one spirit. So not, not one individual amongst many individuals, but one body. But that's the lens through which God sees um, his family, that we're a part of a body. Again, in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Another one in, in, in verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is obviously an image that he wants to hammer home. He keeps bringing it up again and again that we are a part of a body. We're part of a community, that it's about relationships. It's more than just an individualistic journey. Again, we didn't read this part yet, but later on in this chapter, chapter 4, verse 25, Apostle Paul writes and says, Therefore, each of you, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Another translation writes and says, we are all members of one another. Think about that. We're all members of one another, that as, as one of us in this body uh, is just full of joy, we all celebrate. As one of us is, is full of sorrow, we all grieve. We are members of one another. We are a body. We're part of a community of faith. Um, as I graduated from college a few years ago, I graduated in 2004 from Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, and uh, uh, when I had the opportunity to kind of take that next step of looking for a ministry role, um, just different or, uh, doors opened up and um, all of a sudden I was packing up a U-Haul truck and moving to Rapid City, South Dakota, which... Um, Previous to that, a few months of kind of getting to know some folks there, I, did, I didn't know anything about South Dakota. I didn't even know Mount Rushmore was in South Dakota, and that's kind of their claim to fame, right? Like, um, I, I was just, I was at square one. But, um, so I moved to South Dakota, and in moving there, I knew one couple, uh, the senior pastor of the church that I was coming on as the assistant pastor. And, um, and other than that, everyone at the church, everyone in the community was, was brand new to me, and, and I met some amazing people. 
But it was this transition of, of going from kind of a scenario in college, in undergrad, where I had had four years there of, of the hundreds of people my age, similar interests, and had developed a community of friendships. I lived in a, a townhouse with five other fellows that my senior year, we were just a really tight-knit group, had uh, just a lot of shared experiences. So it was kind of this zenith, this summit of community, right? And then moving to Rapid City, South Dakota, across the country from where my family was, where many of these friends were. And even though there were just so many welcoming and, and amazing people that over those coming years, I, I kind of was able to develop that community again. There was that, those initial months where I really felt the depths of loneliness, really knew what it felt like to kind of feel like you were on your own. Even though you know people and they know your name and they know where you're from, there's that sense that no one here really knows me. And as we, as we are on this journey, it's to be a communal journey. Those moments and times of, of real kind of deep loneliness and, and sadness, uh, that's, those are actually kind of, of, of built-in indicators of the very fact that we're intended to be in a communal journey. God uses our emotions in ways to kind of, as flags, to wave and say, hey, you need to meet this need of being connected and plugged in with people. This is valuable. This is important. This is enriching. There's another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, where Paul writes and says, Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Think about that for a second. Each one of you are a separate and necessary part of the body. So as you, uh, by your decisions, by your choices, by the way you spend your time, if you kind of are, are, are in a sense, sort of a, a fifth wheel <laughs> from the body of Christ, if you, you know, hey, you guys, that's a great idea. You run with that. that that's a good thing. You do that, but I'm going to be over here doing my own thing. You, you don't realize, like, not only are you missing out, but we as the body are missing out. You are a necessary part of the body of Christ. So whatever it looks like for you and for your family, be thinking and dreaming of kind of what your role, what your uh, participation in the body of Christ and in specifically in this body of Christ may look like. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Paul, does this mean I have to become like an extrovert? <laughs> does this mean I have to be one of those people that's, that's all the time getting to know people and, and be a part of the community and that? Sense? No, you don't have to change who you are. You're a necessary part of the body because you have specific things to offer that other people don't. Obviously, there would be some folks who are up front and doing things here and other people that are behind the scenes. And, and wow, things get done because of people that are behind the scenes. <laughs> so uh, whatever fears you may have about being part of a community, let me tell you, there's just valuable and meaningful ways that you can plug in and your life will be changed because of it. So, okay, we're on a journey. We're on a communal journey, and, and we're sort of building here in this, this sort of kind of final thread, this final theme that I'll track through a little bit is that we are on a Christ-following communal journey. If you miss that piece, you kind of miss the whole boat. <laughs> yes, life is a journey. Yes, we journey in community. But ultimately, as followers of Christ, we, we are on a Christ-following communal journey. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Let me read it again. It says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So yes, we're a body, but Christ is the head. He is the one with the authority, with the supremacy. He is the leader. He is the guide. He is the one who has sacrificed everything to make these relationships possible. Ephesians 1 verse 22 says, And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It all keeps coming back to Jesus Christ. It's not just about having friendships. It's not just about, you know, let's instill some good values. It all comes back to Jesus Christ. He is our motivation. He is our example. He's our companion in the journey. He is supreme. And as the scripture says, God has put everything under his authority. Being on this Christ-following journey means following in the steps of Jesus. That's the way Peter put it in one of his letters, that we are to follow in the steps of Jesus. It means following his way of service and love. So let's, let's weave these threads together. We're, we're called to embrace the journey, realizing that this isn't a stagnant existence that we live in, that things are always changing, that, that we always are, are kind of going in fresh and new directions. We embrace a journey. We're also a part of this church, that we're a part of a body. We're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, but also that we're to set our sights on Jesus, Jesus Christ. We're to grow into him, for him, and with him. So practically, what, what, is this, what does this look like? What does this amount to? What does this lead our church to? And as Pastor Gordon mentioned, um, our staff uh, were, were together at Hume Lake uh, several weeks ago and just in asking some of these questions of, okay, we, we know we value uh, spiritual formation of people growing up as disciples of Christ. We know we value uh, community and relationships and, and how do these things best intersect? How do these things come together? It really started steering us as, as a staff and, and those of us who were there and then in, in the ensuing weeks, more and more of the leadership kind of coming on board of, of saying, you know, let's, let's be more intentional Let's put some more thought and some more energy into, into small groups and doing this in a way that gets as many people excited about it as possible, gets as many people on board with it as possible. And so um, in September, uh, okay, we just started August, so a month from now in September, um, our church will be having uh, a few weeks of sort of a, a promotional month. A few weeks of, of talking about the significance, the, the, the life change potential of being a part of a small group and kind of getting people excited about different offerings that are happening as soon as October. Several groups will be starting up this October, and, and we'll kind of take it from there. And it'll be this, this experiment for us as a church, as some of you have been a part of small groups, but we're, we're desiring and hoping that those of you have been a part of it and, and see the value. We'll kind of share that, that momentum, that, that excitement to get more people um, involved in small groups. And we aren't just talking about those people here in this room. Think about um, all the people that you have connections with, your family members, your friends, your coworkers. Those, those handful of people that, that you rub shoulders with on a regular basis, we're, we're, we're wanting to envision something that, 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 that those people would excited to be a part of. 
whether it's a marriage study or, or a, a different uh, avenue of looking at different life stages and things that people are going through or, or, or different topics that would appeal to folks, uh, finances and budgeting, uh, wherever we can kind of um, intersect with people's lives and, and just say, hey, there's something going on that's just, just right for you. This is where you're at. And that's kind of what we're picturing and, and, and see how lives might be changed as we are built up as a community and built up into Christ. You'll find if you've been a part of a small group or if you get the opportunity to be a part of one, you'll make friends. <laughs> it's this neat thing that happens when you spend time with people and you start telling your story and they tell their story and you'll deepen those friendships. On top of that, you'll grow in your faith, both in relationship with God as well as uh, with others. You'll learn an incredible amount about yourself. As I was saying, whether you're 18 or, or I believe, I haven't set in those, those footsteps yet, but, but 80, I think there's just this journey that we're on where there's always more to learn. There's more to learn about ourselves as well. And as we kind of rub shoulders with other people and they start to give input of, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? Or, man, there's this opportunity in the church. I think you'd be really good at that. You're great at working with kids. And, and you'll get these inputs of people who care about you. It'll be giving you ideas and things that will actually kind of propel you forward. You'll be learning things about yourself. Also, a small group provides just this, this neat network of care. Times where, where we struggle, we know we have one of those rough days on the trail. <laughs> we know where the, the, the rain's coming down or it's just a little too hot and things are, are kind of uh, going wrong in our life. There's those networks of people that, that are a part of your life that can reach out. But it goes both ways. There's also this, this new avenue, this new ability to kind of have a sense of what's going on in other people's lives. And, and we can step in and help other people in times of need. It's this neat avenue of being able to serve and, and be outward focused to care for other people. And as our staff was uh, getting together and talking about this, there's, there's also some hopes and some intentionality toward seeing this be an intergenerational thing. That as we have um, Sunday morning, uh, uh, NCF, and, and as uh, Pastor Dave was talking about, and in the evenings with the ethos service, and, and even just across the way with, with our um, Hispanic service, that uh, there's just this, this, this kind of all these different people going in different directions. Well, maybe small groups can be an avenue for people who attend different services and different hours to, to be a part of the same group and to be kind of studying through the same topics and the same ideas. And we'll see some of those kind of intergenerational opportunities where a younger person, maybe just starting out in marriage, can be learning from someone who's been at it for a couple decades. And, and just, just picture all the things that could happen um, that would just be really exciting and, 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 and really motivating through those possibilities. But um, I want to close out our time um, before we move towards communion. Just, again, reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And I want you to, as we read it, uh, verses 4, 11 to 13, as we read it, look for what I would call the run, okay? Look for the, there, there's sort of a momentum in these three verses where Paul is, is, is building and building, and there's sort of this whole trajectory of where he's going, and every piece sort of builds on the previous one. And so Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 13, and this is what our hope, our dream, our, our vision of what we want to see happening will be here at Neighborhood Christian Fellowship. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. You notice there isn't a period there. It just, it just keeps on rolling, okay? So we're, we're in the run. Where's this heading? Why, why are there these people? It says, to prepare God's people for works of service. 
Okay, so there's, there's these folks that, that have been called and appointed by God, but why? To prepare God's people, all of us, for works of service. And it just keeps on rolling. So that the body of Christ may be built up. That all of us as a community, that we would be built up. So there's, there's a few that are called to equip all of us so that the whole body will be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Not just a few, not just a couple who are, who are logging hours at the church office, but there's this whole trajectory of, of a few being called to build up the whole congregation, that the whole body might grow and come to maturity and fullness of faith and love in Jesus Christ. This is what we're hoping for, praying for, and dreaming about as a congregation. And I'm excited to just, as I move back and, and won't be a part of this for too much longer, I'm just excited to kind of hear word of, of what transpires and what happens here in this body. It's just really, really exciting. But let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we um, dearly, desire for you to lead and for you to, to be God in our midst. We don't even want to, to even imagine of taking your place as, as leader, as, as champion of all of this, Lord. And I pray that, that, that what's kind of moving us and stirring us in this time would be something that resonates with you, God. It would be something that you're passionate about and that you're wanting to see happen in our midst. So Lord, help us as individuals to see ourselves as something bigger, to be uh, a community that's built up in you, Jesus, and um, whatever uh, specific connections and networks you want to develop in the coming months of, of new friendships that will be formed, maybe new kind of mentor relationships of people having someone to talk to, to listen to, to learn from. Lord, I pray that all of these things will happen in your timing, and Lord, that this church would be a place of redemption, a place of renewal, and of life change. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.